Hey guys, uh, welcome back to the Secret Language Podcast. I'm Jesse Vaughn, and today Matt is still on spring break, which means that I actually have a guest on the show today. He's actually our second guest, because we recorded with Sarah one time, and if you'll remember, we lost half of that audio. So today we have uh, Mr. Ben Keen in the studio. Hello, and Wade. Yes, and Wade. We have the dog in Ben's lap. Ben, I bet you've never seen a studio that looks exactly like an apartment living room. No, it's pretty, uh, you know, I was, I was high expectations when you guys exceeded them, even higher than I could have expected. That's never been said about our living room. <laughs> Wade's the next, Wade just, you know, he kind of gave me rose-colored glasses for the rest Yeah, of that me. probably helps. Um, so you want to hear a funny story? Yes. So yesterday I went out and played disc golf at uh, Preston Miller Park. And, you know, we've had a ton of rain, so the water's way, way up, right? And I'm walking, and I see something like pinkish red in the water. I'm like, all right, I'm going to go get that. I take off my shoes. I take off my socks. I roll my pant legs all the way up. And I climb in the water to pull out, like, half of a dollar store Frisbee you bought at a beach. (laughs) Not even all of it, like half of it. You still can see the word island written on it. And I'm like... Someone's trying to play disc golf with that in the oval. Yeah, I was. Mm. What, a, what a letdown. I, when you started that story, I thought you were going to say you found my disc that I had dropped in the water <laughs> like three weeks ago when we played. You got my hopes up. No, I actually. Just to dash them on the rocks. You threw your putter in the water, and then yesterday I threw my putter in the water. Did you get it back? No. Oh it was that like greenish blue swirly one. When you, you really like that one. You like all your putters. Yeah. You're a putter guy. I am a putter guy. <laughs> Anyways. So. You're a preacher. Yes. Which means you can tell us all the right answers on moral dilemmas, right? Yeah, that's... You have... I was ordained. You were ordained. Florida college. By our dear FC. By Buddy Payne himself. Buddy Payne himself. Is Kali Caldwell involved in any way? No. Form fashion? All right. I'm going to read you a moral dilemma, and I need you to tell me the right thing to do. Wow, you're putting me on the spot right off the bat. Let's go. This is like the only thing I could think... Like, for sure. I was like, I want to do this just to mess with him. Okay. <clears throat> you are an eyewitness to a crime. A man has robbed a bank, but instead of keeping the money for himself, he donates it to a poor orphanage that can now feed and clothe their children. You know who committed the crime. If you go to the authorities with the information, there's a good chance the money will be returned to the bank, leaving a lot of kids in need. What do you do? That's a dilemma right there. Robin Hood. You're the Robin Hood dilemma. You can. You know, it's tough. I feel like honest answer about what I do, just because of knowing myself. Like this isn't the right answer. This is the Ben answer about what I would probably do. This is Ben Keen, not in the pulpit. Yes, this is Ben Keen. Oh yeah. I, I would probably be too lazy to go to the authorities. <laughs> Like, I'll be like, well, it's not terrible. No one died, whatever. Let's just... Now, if you, like, shot somebody or injured somebody in the process of robbing the bank, I feel more motivated to be like, let's see this whole thing. That's fair. But I feel like the right thing to do is to, to turn them in, you know? Because I don't... I'm a purist in some ways with with crime and punishment and with uh, just, like, repercussions. Like, just because you did something good... It doesn't validate the the bad you did, you know. And 
I don't know, it'd be pretty interesting to see how the bank responded to giving their money back from an orphanage, you know? Would they even take it back? Yeah, that's the question. Would the bank be like, oh, I'm sorry. Well, they'd have to, they have the responsibility to take most of it back for, their, yeah. for the people whose money, because it's not technically their money anymore. Yeah, that's fair. But, you know, it'd be, it'd be interesting. But that, that's, you know, in a perfect world, if I was the perfect version of my ideal, I would probably report it. That just shows you how much of a stick in the mud that I am in my ideals. I, I don't expect you to have the right answer to this, but do you know how banks make money? I'm pretty sure they... they don't they invest? Well, their interest rates is the most direct That's way, right. Because they banks are for-profit, so that's why credit unions are generally better. This is now a financial podcast. Two guys. Well, I'm not good with budgets, so... Yeah, neither am I. So. Yes. <laughs> Two guys who are great with budgets. Don't listen to anything we have to say. I think banks make money. Mostly have interest rates on loans and such. Yeah, I think that's mostly it. Yeah, you're right. I don't know why I asked that. As soon as you said interest, I was like, oh yeah, duh, interest. It's an interesting topic. <laughs> I'll get out. Wait, luck, though. I'm really glad that you, like, humored me with that whole moral dilemma thing. Mm-hmm. We were driving, Sarah and I were driving to Texas over spring break. Yes. And we got to the point where Sarah was like, I don't want to listen to any more music. Can we just talk? I was like, yeah, sure. What do you want to talk about? She's like, I don't care. And I was like... <laughs> Okay, do you push the fat man? And she said, I don't want to talk about this. You know what? I don't know that one. You ever heard of the trolley problem? Mm. I've heard of the trolley problem. I watched A Good Place. I was on A Good Place. Okay, yeah. So I I actually bought a book for Laurel, her roommate, for her birthday. Apparently she's like really big into philosophy. And it was was just titled, Would You Push the Fat Man? It was all about trolley problem and i i just brought that up she's like i'm not playing this game we'll talk about something else i was like all right fine we'll talk about something else that you have to figure out yeah my bad sorry for trying to keep the conversation interesting i try to find podcasts on the road with Haley because i do get tired of listening to music too Ooh, what's what have been some good ones you've enjoyed well jordan peterson has all his biblical lectures on podcasts and those yeah. are really good although i'm like Haley usually falls asleep to those so i'm not gonna lie win-win. matt has been like, dude, you should listen to Jordan Peterson. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll do that, and I never have. Yeah, his, his biblical lectures particularly are really good, though. It's a perspective on the Bible that you don't get. It's his, you know, it's totally yeah. unique. It's not from, like, a biblical scholar. It's not from the Brotherhood, you know? Like, what's his background? He's a, he's a clinician, so he's, like, he's a clinical psychiatrist, and now nice. he's, and he's a professor at the University of Toronto, where he was. And then after doing that for a while, some things happened that made him want to get into the public sphere and start to help people get, take responsibility for their lives. And a lot of it resonated with a lot of young men, but not only young men, but a lot of I met some yeah. girls who really appreciate what he has to say. He basically just says, you know, he says things like clean your room and stand up straight with shoulders yeah. back. Like he takes those and he, he shows the psychological like Underpinnings of all, okay, and uh, like so if you can clean your room, if you can keep, if you can maintain a space, keep it clean, and make it something interesting, make it something worthwhile. That's that's no small thing. Yeah, know? of course. And he says, if you can do that, maintain that, then you can start to move out from there and start to conquer the rest of your world systematically. I'm not gonna lie, I wasn't sure where we were going to record. I like I usually just do it in my bedroom, mm-hmm. and I was like, okay. Ben's going to come in here. I got to at least half organize this stuff. It was not clean. Wade's doing something else. I'm going to put him back in this crate. Wade, get over here. Come here. 
This podcast has been brought to you by Yelling at Wade. One second. Anyway, so his biblical lectures, they come at the Bible from a psychological viewpoint. Okay. And Jordan Peterson, in general, he likes to take stories, like he loves, like, Pinocchio and Peter Pan, like, his classic fairy tales, and he shows the significance of it. Like Peter Pan, you know, this man who's lost his hand to an alligator that has a clock inside of it, and he's the only adult in Neverland. And the whole thing is about the, to him, he's like, it's like people want to stay kids forever. And there's this only this adult who's already lost his hand to time, and he's afraid of losing the rest of himself, growing old. And it's like this whole, and he sees like he sees the themes and the, the deep messages, or at least he makes deep, he makes he sees deep implications of what to do. See, I think maybe that's why every time I've like been like, yeah, I'll listen to that, and I'll like hit play, I'll think I'll like get a couple minutes in, and I'm like, this isn't what I was expecting. Yeah. I think I was expecting more of like an actual podcast format instead yeah. of like a lecture. And if you're not ready for that, it's gonna kind of throw you for a loop. Yeah. No, he's he he took he goes through like creation. He goes through the whole, whole book of Genesis. Uh, I think he was planning on doing more, but he never did. And he thinks from that kind of viewpoint, like he just reads it on his own. And he seems to be vaguely Christian. I think because he's in like the. Public. It's like this, you know, scientific community. I see because he's a mental scientist, if you will. He uh, he has to he has to kind of take positions that will help him reach the most people. Yeah, and kind of be a little vague, a little enigmatic about what he really thinks. But in, in my perspective, he's he definitely he did a whole series of lectures on the Bible, you know, and he there, you have to be vaguely Christian in some way to. When I was in San Jose, we were doing meetup Bible studies every week. One of the first ones we did, we met this girl, um, and she was an atheist and listened to Jordan Peterson and really liked him and listened to all the biblical lectures. And because of that, she wanted to become a Christian. Hmm. It was crazy. And she's like, she talked about how she listened to Jordan Peterson and she can't, she's like, she really respected him and he really helped her see through things. But then she couldn't understand why he never made the leap to just like be staunchly Christian. Yeah. Because he clearly led her to that from atheism to Christianity. Hmm. So I always thought that was really fascinating. That's something I'm actually going to have to dig into because that just sounds... That sounds like everything I've heard about him. I just... I've never been able to, like, just really jump into it. Yeah. He was, uh, I've heard... We have a lot of people have found him on the internet with Joe Rogan's podcast. Okay. And, like, he was this... I forget which episode was the first time he was on there. He's been on there once two or three times I know. Um, but the first time he came on Joe Rogan podcast was like it's kind of a good summation of who he is. It's like you know, long format of him kind of Joe doing his own asking Jordan all about himself and yeah. what he's found. So interesting. It's a good place to start. See, I've I've been uh, flipping through some podcasts lately. So I just kinda of go into little kicks where I'll either listen to a ton of music or like I'll just listen to nothing but podcasts for a couple of days. Yeah, I get tired of music. I listen to it too much. <sighs> yeah, I understand that. So I've found a couple that I that come out very regularly. Well, kind of regularly. Have you ever heard of Revisionist History? I've heard of that. Have you ever listened to it? No, I haven't. It's actually really good. I'm not a huge podcast listener. I do it in like long yeah. car rides, basically. It, but... Yeah, see, I understand that. It's Especially depending on how long episodes are, it can be really tough to just do during the day yeah 
I have a lot of time because I have to drive like 20 minutes to work yeah. most days and then I'll go to work. I'll drive like 20 minutes to campus and then I'll walk. So like I've got time to get through at least one whole episode. Yeah. That's a really good podcast. He talks about all kinds of interesting topics that are kind of like forgotten or looked over. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting. Um, I found one based off of um, revisionist history. Like, after his fourth season came out, he had like, oh yeah, by the way, the same studio that produces ours is producing this show. We'll play episode one for you. Yeah, It's called Against the Rules with Michael Lewis. Okay. I've heard his voice somewhere. I think it's from like TED videos. Yeah. And like, because I'm a nerd and I'll like watch a bunch of those, but I was like, I've heard his voice somewhere. Basically, he's talking about how in American society, we are so against quote unquote the referees in different circles like his first episode he's literally talking about like referees in sports because it's the most like clear understood we hate the refs yeah and then he breaks that down into like different sectors and spheres of life on how we hate referees and how we try to like push them out even though we really need them yeah it was really good i could sit there and listen to the whole series eight straight hours and like love every second of it She'll get through about two episodes and be like, hey, can we change it? Yeah. Which is fine. Oh, yeah. Differences in interest, and that's why you're interested in each other. Precisely. Now, I've got a question. Is Haley at all interested in true crime podcasts? Yeah, we listen to, we listen to, that's the podcast we listen to, we listen to uh, a whole, we were, it's a funny story. There is a, a true crime, I forget what it's called. The case, the cold case in Georgia, of Tara, a girl named Tara Grinstead. Okay. And like they're like this intro play in one of the sound clips, and they're just like, "Who is? Where is Tara Grinstead?" And I always joke about that. We, we were driving down to Florida, I think, last spring break. I think it was a year ago. Listened to it, and it was recommended to us by one of our, one of our buddies. We listened through it, and he, this guy, picked up a random cold case that was like one of the one cold cases in Georgia, and he started working through it. And I just started working through it, like, he, it was 10 years old, and the, some investigators were still working on it, too. And uh, so, like, he's taking you through all this evidence he's going through, and it was like, an, it felt like a TV show or a movie, where it was like, oh, like, here's these leads, and then, like, that would, you know, he'd bury that, and then something else would come up. And you're like, oh, what is this black truck about? Oh, this house was lit on fire, there's traces of a body there. It's like, oh, what, what's all, like, what's all that's going to happen? And then as the podcast went on, like, they arrested somebody. Oh, really? And yeah, not because of the podcast, but like someone was yeah, arrested they, for that crime. Investigators. And he kind of got the story, and it was someone that he'd never looked into at all in the whole podcast. Hmm. And it was super unsatisfying. <laughs> you know, like you're listening to the whole, like you listen to hours of this podcast, and hours of like, oh, what's this? Oh, that's how, how's this going to play for? What's the significance of this? And it was like, oh, it's just the guy down the street. And you're like, which I guess you know, like that's real. That's what's that's what you yeah. guys about. But it was like, it felt like a waste. Like, I felt like I would have just rather Googled it on Wikipedia and just like found like, oh, okay, that's what happened. Yeah. Without going through all this, you know, charade of going through all this stupid evidence. So. I had a similar experience with Serial. Have you listened to that one? No. That is like the true crime podcast that like set on fire the world of true crime podcasts. I don't know if it's technically true crime. I don't know. It, well, I guess it is. It is about 
Captain Crunch and the Phantom Menace. But... Yep, Captain Crunch and his Phantom Menace. <laughs> I've never even heard that. You just made that up. Take your wages, Oh man. Um No, it's about you know, this fifteen year old cold case. Well, it's not really a cold case. It's about a high schooler who allegedly killed one of his classmates that was like his ex-girlfriend or something. Okay. Except to this day, the guy says he didn't do it. And there's a lot of shady characters in it. Mm-hmm. It's like 12 episodes long. Okay. And it's great. I listened to it. Uh, Thanksgiving break of my freshman year of college. I was driving. I had to hitch a ride to Bowling Green because I didn't have a car. And I met uh, with my cousin Drew in Atlanta. And they're like, all right, we got a lot of stuff. Well, he's like, we got a lot of driving to do. You want to listen to a podcast? I'm like, sure. He's like, have you heard Serial? I'm like, nope. He's like, all right, we're going to play it. And it was great. Yeah. But at the end, it's one of those unsatisfying endings. Spoiler alert, it's been out for like four years. If you haven't listened to it, you're probably not going to. It's true. <laughs> yeah. Spoiler alert, it's like still inconclusive. Like even after like going through all the evidence again, they're just like, we don't really know what happened. Yeah. Technology wasn't great then. We don't have a lot of proof. Yeah. And like, you know, then you're talking about people's memories from 12 years ago. It's like, how well can you really remember some of these details that you yeah. think you remember? Yeah. I think that even that's more interesting than the Terry Grinstead case, because at least then you're like, it's kind of like you fill in the blanks. You know, at least then you're, you're always wondering. So, you yeah, can, you can, you have all the evidence and you can yeah, try, try to I think piece it happened. together for yourself. Yeah, I think this happened. With Terry Grinstead, it's like, oh, like that house was super interesting. And they played no part in the actual resolution of the case what's also what's interesting about serial actually is that she has a lot of phone interviews with the guy who was convicted really yeah he's he's in a penitentiary and so like she'd go in there and she'd talk to him and so like they almost they frame him as like the protagonist yeah they're not like oh yeah this is the guy who is in prison for it we're going to show you why he did and it's like you like root for him the entire time at least i did yeah which really was an interesting way to Frame the podcast because we're against the referees. That's why you root for against the rules. <laughs> yeah. See, I tried to show in Sarah that podcast, and we listened to it, and she was unsatisfied with the ending. I think everyone was. Yeah. And then she was like, "These are really good. I'm really interested in this. We should listen to more." Uh-huh. And now every time we go on a road trip, she's looking for some new true crime podcast, which I'm kind of tired of them. Yeah. In general, just because. I think it's because we've never finished one. Yeah. We'll get through like one or two episodes and then we get to the point where Sarah's like, Oh, this is this is messed up. She's like, What this person did is like really screwed up. We shouldn't listen to this. And I'm like that's the whole point. And I'm like, Yeah, you're right. We shouldn't listen to this. And like it's fine. I understand. Yeah. And you know. I'm kinda tired of listening to true crime podcasts though. <laughs> Makes sense. I don't know. I forgot to even ask you. I was like going to ask this at the beginning. Have you ever been on a podcast before? No, I have not. I didn't think so. My first time. I'm thinking about starting one myself. Um, this, you know, this whole quarantine 2020 thing. Probably a good time to do it. But I'm thinking about starting a podcast myself and just uh, like twice a week and having to be real short, probably 15, 20 minutes tops. Just like short spiritual encouragement looking at a text just making sure it's like really for me 
it'd be hard for me to to keep motivated on it unless I had like a specific, distinct thing I wanted to do with it. And so I'm just trying to get it like to get a basis started. Yeah, and, get, and so maybe two to three times a week, and on Thursday, on Saturday, I'm gonna do a long form one. But like having to be spiritually focused and just like short tidbits, like here's you know, let's talk about one of the attitudes for 15 yeah. minutes. You know, blessed are the poor in spirit. What does that mean? Let's look at the significance of why did Jesus start the whole sermon now with this, and what implications does it have for us? What does it mean for me to be poor in spirit? Yeah, of course. Um, and and then the next, you know, Thursday, that's a Tuesday. So on Thursday, talk about the next beatitude, and then on Saturday, maybe spend like talk to someone about it and discuss it, or you know, see what they think about it and see what they cross reference through their background or how they've seen it in their lives. Or even more specifically, the like the last beatitude where it talks about. Blessed are you when you're persecuted, and people say all kinds of evil. You know, one of the elders of our congregation has been put in prison in China for going over to evangelize, and just like he's lived out that beatitude. Yeah, and so it'd be really cool to find people like that, interview them, and be like, hey, you know, you've kind of seen this beatitude lived out firsthand. What was that like for you? Mm-hmm. So the thing about getting something like that going, and just, just even so, preaching sometimes feels feast or famine. It's work, you know, like you try to get studies going with people, you try to get across the table studying the Bible with somebody because you want to share the gospel with them. And sometimes there are people biting, sometimes there aren't. It's like fishing. And uh, and so having a podcast like that, I know I'd be able to like reach people on a different ways. Basis. In different ways. So. And the nice thing about podcasts is that you can binge them. So it, yeah. it, it kind of does feed into that feast or famine. Yeah. Like you could easily find, like someone could stumble across it. Or get shared with them, and you could have them listen to like eight episodes, and they'd be like, "Whoa!" Yeah, and, and I also, and, you know, yeah. And if I'm like, if I'm in a time where I'm not busy, I could also make more of them ahead of time. You know, I was actually going to recommend that. Um, coming from a guy who started a podcast and was just like super excited about it, probably a good idea to like get three or four episodes done before you post one. Yeah, because anyone who has like listened to hours with any form of regularity knows that there's no form of regularity to how often we post, yeah. which is crucial. It is it's really crucial. Like the establishing uh, of viewership. I know that I'm doing it, but you know what I mean? Listenership doesn't sound as good as viewership. Yeah. So establishing a community around your podcast of people who are like, Oh, you want to know? Yeah. I mean, I, I do have the same perspective on this whole quarantine thing is like, this is a time where we're not fighting schedule as much like yeah. Matt and I aren't. And it would be really great if I could store up like four or five episodes yeah. to just post regularly, like try to get them out once a week or yeah. something. That's kind of the goal right now, but yeah. you know, they're locked out of the dorms That's crazy. he doesn't have his microphone. So we're going to have to like try Skype or we're going to find something out, yeah. but it's going to be difficult for at least until March 30th. Yeah. That's so crazy. It's nuts. So I'm crazy. I'm really fortunate to be living in an apartment because yeah. like Western is like, yeah, we're not meeting face to face anymore. And if you live in dorms, we're going to like suggest you move out. They're like, we're not going to kick you out, but like you should go home. That's crazy. Haley's been saying she's seen a lot of people posting on Facebook with different places to live. And it's just nuts. Yeah. Like that's, that's so tough because you know, like I'm very, I'm just really glad that I live in this apartment because I don't have, like, no one's kicking me out. Yeah. And 
since I have a job here, that's great. Cause if I was living in a dorm and I was told you've got to leave, but I still had a job. Yeah. I, I'd be one of those people scrambling, like, yeah. where do I go? Yeah. It's nice to have a job that's stayed in business. For right now. Yeah. For right now. It's not going to shut down completely. I don't think I'm going to lose my job over it. Yeah. But there are other plants in the country that are closed down. So you like it. Move parts of your stuff. Actually, no. I mean, that that is a that is an issue. A lot we do have some, a lot of our machinery. The parts come from either Italy or China, which is bad. You know, one two punch. <laughs> yeah, the one two punch. But like, there's a we've got a big production plant in L.A. Okay. And you know, California is like shut down. And so, like, their plant is shut down, and the company's like, well, all the places that aren't shut down can kind of pick up the slack for the one that's down. And as and as they shut down kind of in wave order, hopefully the ones that were shut down earlier will get back earlier. So, like, we're just kind of picking up slack. So, like, actually, they're like, we're, like, behind that's good. production. So work. Yeah, so we have work right now. That's awesome. With more cases popping up here in Bowling Green, that might be working from home, yeah. but I don't know. My buddy, I was talking to my buddy today, he's like Rachel Angel, and she's like a dude, he, uh, he's like a software salesman and stuff, so he's like, you know, he's in that financial world. He was listening to something you were talking to, or read something about how businesses only keep enough cash on hand, like 16 days of not operating. Yeah. And so he was saying like a lot of the businesses, a lot of the restaurants that we grew up with, probably won't survive this. And it's like, it's so crazy to think about, you know, like... There are, like, especially thinking about small businesses around anywhere you live. And especially, what would we do without Gads? <laughs> and it's not like Bowling Green. There's still, it's like the main rest, the main business of choice is restaurants. And a lot of these restaurants may not survive. Think about Grips. You know, like, really good, good quality product. <sighs> Please don't say that. They have the best chicken salad sandwich I've ever had. No, and I'm, I, I don't want that. You know, it's not like, but I'm saying, like, places like that, like, that's why... Like in a time like this, it's important to support small businesses you know? as much as possible. As well, long as they're pick, open, like pick, Grips is the perfect thing to pick up. So it has a good, has a viable solution to survive. I saw Waffle House said we have pick up and go, and I was like, who's gonna pick up Waffle House to go? Sarah did that for me one time, asking me to banquet. <laughs> okay, but that's like a very specific <laughs> yeah. like joke. Yeah, like, it's like oh quarantine. You're like, let's <laughs> get a butterscotch waffle and bring it home. And I don't think Waffle House probably travels very well. No, it doesn't. It doesn't travel no. to your table. So they go traveling while you're out of the restaurant. Well, yeah, you've got you've got to bring home twelve plates. I think it survives because of the moisture in the restaurant. You know? I think that's part of the reason it actually has any of the flavor and any of the all the cigarette has. smoke keeps it exactly. humid enough. I don't think that it would. Uh... Yeah, so it's just like there's some businesses and some restaurants. It's like it'll be interesting to see who who makes it and who doesn't. It's going to be interesting to see the impacts this has long term. How long this whole quarantine thing lasts? People think it could last up to a year. Yeah, like, of certain um, varying ways. I don't want to get too in depth with this, like on the show. Yeah, it might be something I talk to you about later. But like, it's causing, it's raising a lot of questions about our wedding. Yeah, that we're not precisely sure how to answer yeah. because so many things are like uncertain. Like, yeah. We're planning on getting married on campus. Yeah, yeah, and. As of right now, any kind of meeting on campus till May 16th is closed. Yeah. Like, we're not doing it. Yeah. So that gives us, like, two weeks. <laughs> assuming not, things... Not a wiggle room. Assuming things don't get worse. Yeah. If things get worse, then we're going to be out of venue. Yeah. And 
We're oh, getting married. I'll we're reimbursing that. We haven't paid. We haven't paid him yet. Oh, so no. <laughs> but like, if you know, if the venue falls through, it's like okay. Well, now what? And we've got a lot of guests coming from really far away. Yeah. So like, there's a really heavy possibility that there could be like no one there. Like, there's a possibility that my parents, her parents, can't be there. Oh wow. There's a there's a really good possibility that the guy coming to be the efficient at our wedding can't be there. Yeah. Like. We are pretty much planning for the worst possible scenario where, like, no one is there. That's just what we've got. Hey, it might be the perfect reason just to elope and save a ton of money. You're not the first person to tell us that. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm not saying that I wish this had happened to me and Haley. <laughs> but eloping, I mean, our wedding was beautiful, so we forced them out. No regrets. But... We talked about it all. I think every couple talks about it. Oh, yeah, of course. And like all the stress and all the just, like, not that, what is the word feeling? Not commitments, but like all the things you have to do, the requirements yeah. for you in your wedding that like aren't you at all, but you have to, you know, it's like a low thing is just like, boom, you know, let's go to the courthouse. You just get, get it done, take care of it. Well, so, see, I've had that uh, mindset this entire time. Yeah. Which so is like, masculine. Well, it is, yeah. I mean, of course, I'm not the first guy to have said any of this. But she's, you know, it's like, well, what about the flowers? I'm like, screw the flowers. Like, if you want them, like, we can find a way to get them to you. Of yeah. course, I know that you really want them. But yeah. it's like, all these things that we think are important aren't. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, we'd love to have family and friends there. Yeah. But big wedding, small wedding, all that matters is that we walk away married. Yeah. I'm like, people are invited because we're nice enough to invite them. Yeah. It, no one has to be there. Mm-hmm. And and so I could officiate your wedding. You're an option actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, there's a lot of goofy stuff going on with it's that. It's crazy. It's like it's going to be interesting to see how this all shakes out and uh, you know what's hard for me is like seeing people that I look up to just not handling the stress as well. And I understand, like, there's, like, there are deep economic impacts and there are anxieties that come from this, especially if you are, if you own anything, you own a business, own property, whatever. Um, it's, like, what's going to happen? So it's a very unsure time. But, like, this is exactly, and this is, you know, putting my preacher hat on. You know, preachers don't wear hats, you know what I mean? It's, like, this is exactly the kind of thing that faith is supposed to prepare us for. That come what may, you know, we can't rely on our financial investments because, you know, it's exactly what Jeremiah 9 talks about. It says, well, not the wise man boasts in his wisdom, or the rich man boasts in his wealth, or the strong man boasts in his strength, but that him who boasts boasts in this, that he knows is the Lord. Yeah. And it's like, God makes things very simple for us. If we want to boast about something as followers of God, as Christians, he's like, I want you to boast a lot. Boast about knowing me. Mm-hmm. Like, boast about, like, actually brag that you have a relationship with me. Yeah. Because that's worth bragging but don't brag and don't put all your don't put all your eggs in the basket of owning things or your four hundred one k your retirement plans or financial stuff or the friendships or the reputation you have or how strong you are how smart you are like those things you know you can have a stroke you know you could, yeah you could you could lose you could lose all your wealth you could lose all your strength you could be paralyzed suddenly things have just happened to people who are in the prime of their life and then things like. The kung flu strike, and it's like <laughs> you, you, who knows about the financial stuff? You know, it's totally out of our control. I know that there's a lot of controversy about calling this the kung flu, but here at the Secret Language Podcast, we fully endorse it. <laughs> the kung flu is the one that I've heard. Uh, 
really good. Oh, the Rona. I like calling it the Rona. <laughs> well, okay. So you were talking about people dealing with stress, and faith is a great way to deal with that. Yeah. And I'm sure everybody who has attended any of the live streams from any of the congregations that they're from have heard great lessons about that. I know we had a really good one uh, with uh, Gary Kerr on Wednesday night. Nice. He did a great job. What the, did he go to a certain text in the Bible? Or? Yes, he did. I'm putting you on the spot. Yes, you are. <laughs> I bet you if I pull up my Bible app, it'll be the last thing I remember. No, it's not. I looked something else up the other day. You know, you make your point, though. Yeah. Um, faith is a great way to deal with things. And. Well, it should be. I, I'm sorry, interrupting, but it should no. be the lens we see. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. I, I completely agree with that. Um, I also put out an episode like last night that kind of looked at some of these things and kind of. I was. I don't know why I recorded it, if I'm being completely honest. I was like, I was just kind of like sitting around at work and I was like, you know what would be a great idea? It's if I recorded an episode about stoicism. It's something I wanted to do. It's actually something that I figured would actually be a good topic for you because last time we talked about it, you just like had a bunch of questions for me about it. I'm a curious guy. And that's fine. That, no, that's great. I decided that like, I, I've noticed that I've been relatively calm through all this. And I was like, well, these are some of those thoughts that have kind of like come to my mind. Mm -hmm. And like faith needs to be the lens that we see everything through. But adding other things doesn't hurt. No. Anything, it can help. So I talked about some of those things. Um, It's a really short episode. Like you should. Let's do it. Yeah. (laughs) I don't want to plug my own podcast on my podcast. On your podcast. (laughs) But here I am. Old man. Yep. Um. I don't know. I think it's interesting. You you brought up a point that I actually chose not to bring up because I wasn't sure how to approach it in a way that didn't seem too terribly dark. Yeah. You're saying that people in the prime of their lives, just bad things happen. They can get paralyzed by all these things. And there's a big thing in stoicism where you're just constantly reminding yourself that you're mortal. Yeah. Remember that someday you're going to die. Yeah. And like, I didn't want to like be like, hey, I'm going to be a calming presence. Remember, someday you're going to die. I just felt like I didn't have the tact to approach it in that manner. Yeah. Well, here's a, here's a couple of things. Like, first of all, it's like, if you're avoiding that truth, then you're just an ostrich. You're lying to yourself. Secondly, like, you look at the book of Isaiah, and it breaks down. The first 39 chapters are basically, you know, there's 66 books in Isaiah, 66 chapters, excuse me. And a lot of people break it down like there's 66 books in the Bible. Yeah. First 39 books of the Old Testament, the next 27. 27 of the New Testament. You do that with Isaiah, the first 39 chapters are very clearly like this section, mostly, predominantly, prophecies against Israel and prophecies against the nations around Israel about judgment. Yeah. And from 40 on, it's predominantly Messianic, Christianic, good news. Interesting. I've never heard that. And chapter 40 starts off with, it's talking about, there's a voice in the desert crying out. It's about John the Baptist. Yeah. But it's interesting because he says, hey, Isaiah 40 says, I want you to call out. And the voice, and the voice in the desert says, what do, want, what do you want me to call out? And it's like, here's the good news. Here's the comfort that God says. He said, comfort, comfort my people. Call this out. All flesh is like grass. And the, you know, like the glory, the, it's, the yeah. flower fades, the grass withers. But the word of the Lord endures forever. And so in this discussion about you don't want to be grim or morbid with all the difficulty going on, it's like, well, we can't really appreciate 
the value of the good news or the value of enduring faith or things that will get us through the crisis without first appreciating the crisis. Yeah, of course. All flesh is like grass. Like if you're not aware of the fact that you could lose your 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 intellectual strength, your intellectual capability, your physical strength, your money today or tomorrow, then you're not going to truly appreciate how life is. Yeah, of course. And see, I just I didn't feel like I had the words for it, and you're a lot better at approaching that than I am. I'm just straightforward. I just like Yeah, well, see, I can be very straightforward to the point that it's maybe I felt like the way I was going to say it was going to be way more blunt. Yeah. Because, like, the way I said it is like, okay, well, if you get catch this virus and you get very sick and you die, your death is no different than the death of every other person who's ever lived. <laughs> so you're saying it anyway. Yeah, I'm saying it anyway, but I'm not saying it in the calming context. I'm yeah. saying it in the I'm bad at talking about it context, yeah. so I get away with it. Yeah, that's true. No, and, the, and that's true, too. But here's the thing, like, with all this, and that's how we talk about the, the, the death part of it itself, but all of the, the ramifications that it's going to have on everybody regardless. When I was in high school, I did drama, and I remember... You like, still do drama. That's true. I'm a dramatic. I'm a drama king. Um, for like a couple weeks before the show, we do tech, which means we'd be at school, we do we rehearse until 9 p.m., literally. And in those tech rehearsals, we'd go through the whole plays like we were actually doing it. Mm-hmm. Our director would just sit and watch. He wouldn't stop anything. He'd just sit and watch. He'd just want to write notes. I remember one night, we, uh, this one girl, she just totally bit. Like she totally forgot what she was supposed to do. Totally just had a mind mind blank. And she couldn't recover. And I just clearly remember like sitting in notes that day and he brought it up and he's like, Hey, you know, why do people come to live theater? Like, I was saying before the break. Live theater. Yes. Which is, you know, I mean an analogy, everybody gets. Everyone's in everyone's on drama. No, but I think that just stuck with me, this idea that People come to see you make mistakes and see how you respond to those. Yeah, of course. And like, it's like, it's a simple analogy, but I just think what's more interesting to me than the fact that someone made a mistake or something, a bad thing happened to someone, it's like, well, what do you do with that? Which is like, what you said about stoicism, that's exactly what you did with stoicism. That's like the biggest thing is, well, one of the biggest things is, you know, life is 10% what happens to you, 90% how you react to it. Yeah. All the all the consequences and the situations we find ourselves in in life, they're all neutral. Yeah. And the only things that are good or bad are how we respond to it. Yeah. And so, like, you know, the most interesting theater shows you see are the ones where something went wrong and someone and an actor had this like brilliant, like stroke of genius of how to respond to it. And it was funny or it was poignant or it was perfect. You know. Yeah. They made it more memorable, and that's like that's life too. Like, when you make a mistake or something bad happens to you, you just you work it and something better than it was before it's like yeah and so all this to say like with all the difficulties that are, that are for sure going to happen to so many of us maybe all of us through all this the economic and whatever ramifications and impacts it's like it's been just encouraging to me to see how many christians have taken a hold of their faith and taken account of their faith and really looked at this through the lens of their faith like in some ways like we ought to be prepared for this. And I'm not, part of, you know, I probably need more patient with people because people are people. You know? Yeah. But part of it too is I hope that all of us with faith in God take that seriously through this time and realize like, we're going to take care of us. Sometimes the way God takes care of us is through his people and some of God's people are going to be a little more sharing and giving during this time. 
sometimes, you know, it just can be hard to see. We have to reduce our life down to just more simple things, which might be good. It's definitely a good. I think it's a good thing, but I also have this like Unabomber mentality. Ouch. <laughs> this is what I get when I hang out with Ben. Um, no, the but Unabomber types. I. I <laughs> No, I like this idea of like living a simple life. Yeah, um, that's that's just even from myself. That's also kind of a thing that, again, goes back to stoicism, where people are like, you know, living simply makes you a lot more content with what whatever happens. It also helps you keep accountable. Yeah, of course. Like if you live beyond your means, some of the people that I've respected most in my life, and one of the things that I've respected in people is you know them from like church or whatever and then like they invite everyone over and you're like oh my goodness this house is here like whatever it is like you yeah. realize that they make a lot of money mm-hmm. but like you had no idea by talking to them by looking at them like i i respect that a lot yeah because they live very simply and they don't talk about it they don't yeah. live it it's just something they do yeah it's just yeah it's not who they are yeah it's just something they have. yeah that's that that's something that i've always really admired and I really hope that as I get older, it's like right now, I, I don't have that problem. I don't really yeah, make any money. Exactly, me too. <laughs> yeah. So like, I don't have that issue, yeah. but I, I, that's something I want to be very conscious of as I get older is like, don't talk about it. Yeah. Like, it, you know. Is there, uh, it's funny, like that verse in Jeremiah I referenced earlier. I forget, I can boast, boast in this, and that's hard. It's funny as I get older, I realize how few things are worth talking about. <laughs> Like, really, like, you're really not worth talking about, which kind of spits in the face of a podcast. <laughs> yeah. But, like, there are so many things that, like, why are you talking about this? Why are you talking about how good your job is? Why are you talking about how much money you make? Why are you talking about how good your kid did at, at soccer and the participation awards they got? Why are, why are you talking? Like, I, I'm not trying to give anyone a hard time because I don't yeah. sound like I am. But, but really, when you ask, like, why am I sharing this with someone? Like, why am I sharing... There are a few that it's worth sharing when you need help. Mm-hmm. It's worth sharing when you're trying to encourage somebody. But even though some, sometimes we do those things just for attention or just yeah. so that, you know, we share, we try to encourage someone. It becomes more about me than about you. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, when I was in a situation like that, this is what I did. That's what happened to me. Yeah. That's how good I am. Doesn't that encourage you? It's, yeah. And that's tough. Yeah. Because I. I really felt like, and I'm, I'm going back and talking about that last episode I put up. Yeah. I just, I felt kind of uneasy posting it mm-hmm. a little bit because I was like, this is talking completely about myself and how I've remained calm even though everyone else is freaking out. Yeah. And like, I don't want to come across as pretentious, which is yeah. why I try not to talk about stoicism too much because I'm afraid people are going to be like, yeah, shut up. Yeah. I get it. You're better than me. And I, I don't want to have that attitude. I don't want people to think I have that attitude. Yeah. But I was just honestly trying to share with people something that has helped me stay calm yeah and like you don't want it to be like oh yeah by the way i'm a lot more level-headed than you so try to be more like me like i don't want that i don't want people to think that and it it makes you very aware of the tone you have and the way that your attitude comes across to other people yeah hopefully i i You have to really think about your reason, and you have to at least steal yourself for doing why you're doing it. Hopefully, if you're galvanized enough in your 
reason or your why for doing what you're doing, it comes through. Yeah. And if you're passionate enough about it, that comes through. And people appreciate that more than you. Yeah. And there's always, and there, there may always be critics, but I don't think that would be. Um, I think, you know, it's, it's so interesting, our nature seemingly to just be so to be egocentric. Like even when you see someone who's in need, like someone, I think of Joe, you know, like his friends thought they were being so helpful by just ripping into shreds, you know? And I don't know if you ever met someone like that, but I have. I know people like that. And it's like, I know, I see it in their eyes that they're trying really to be helpful. But actually what they're doing is just totally discouraging them. And I think about Joe and like the best thing that Joe's friends could have done is say, man, Joe, this really, really is awful. I'm sorry this happened to you. Yeah. I don't know why it happened. I'm not going to try and figure it out. They kind of... All I know is that it did happen. They kind of fed Job, too, because he said a lot of really bold things to, to and about God yeah. that maybe he wouldn't have said had his friends not, like... They pushed him. They're part of the temptation. Job's friends and his wife are part of the temptation. Oh, yeah. Situation. So, short break. If you start that podcast that you're talking about and you ever want to do an episode on Job, can I please, like... If you want to do like a long form one on Job, I'd love to jump in on that. Okay. It's one of my favorite books of the Bible because I have such a hard time understanding it. Yeah. And I just, I want to talk about it one so that, badly. One of the things that really helped me, the thing that drama reference that helped me understand Job, is I, was, I played this guy who's so smart. I said, the genre of the book of Job is a drama. Mm-hmm. It's a play. When you understand that, you understand why it's so repetitive. Because what Job does if you like, I think one of the things that would be really helpful in understanding Job is actually having someone act it out for us. Like, cast the characters of Job and watch those play. Because that would be super helpful. Because then you see, like, then it's not just like, why is he being so repetitive? It's like, it's like, this hurts. Like, if you, if you watch it and you see it lived out in this pitiful man who shaved his head and scraping boils off his arms and dust cloth and ashes, and you see his friends just kicking him while he's down. It's like you're understanding the agony he's in by watching it and putting yourself in it. And, and I, so, yeah, for reading Job, I think that's one of the helpful things, not just to read it as like, a, 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 to see like, well, what are these guys saying about this specific thing? Like, oh, they said this about wisdom. They said this, and what's, what's the application? No, I think the point of reading Job is to like really submerge yourself in the misery and to see it like it's repetitive to you. Think how repetitive it was to Job. It hurts yeah. you. Well, think how much it hurt Job. I think and like as you read that, you see how dire the temptation was and how much he would say yeah i want to put up that for one minute yeah i think it's really tough to comprehend the back and forth between job and his friends for me because they have these big long you know discourses Mm -hmm. if you will and then they kind of just pick back up it's like oh and then job said and like it's it's almost hard to keep track of who's saying what yeah and i think if if you had a visual or even just different people around the table reading out the different parts, you'd maybe have a better understanding of yeah. that repetition. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's definitely one of the more... I I have a lot of questions about that book. It's one where you need to put books to life. Yeah, for sure. Um, I feel like I brought it up now. I'm not sure. But Talking about patience and uh, how we deal with things. Yeah. Think. Um, I don't know. You just see 
so we're reduced to nothing in the end of everything. I mean, that book is like this nice poet, poetic justice, we gotta get back. But more than that, I think it's mostly about like the fact of how he handled himself through it. And it's not, you can't say it's trite, you can't say it's glib, because it is. If he actually lived, and I believe he did, and you're this man who just kind of stands in opposition to you and you're complaining about the small things you might lose. Yeah. I think that's the, I think that's one of the struggles for me through all this is that it's very much right now, at least in very preliminary stage, people are like, well, this could happen. This is probably going to happen. This might happen. And it's like, yes, there probably is a very good chance that these things are going to happen. But the, the fact of the matter is they haven't happened yet. So why are you pre-worrying about them? Like, why are you stressing about tomorrow and the days to come? You're like, there's enough things to take care of today. You know, in the words of someone on that. Yeah. And it's like, Handle those things as they come, but just take care of what you have to take care of today. It's catastrophizing. Yeah. And it's like, that's what's hard for me is like, I don't want to be, I don't want to pendulum swing the opposite direction and say there's nothing worth worrying about. But my response is kind of saying, hey, like, take care of, like, just think about today. Think about what you can do with it. And think about the fact that you have more time with your family. Take it one step at a time. Yeah. And like, look at the fact of, like, Hay and I have got to spend a bunch of time together and we've grown closer. You know, it's been really good for us. And it's like, we wouldn't have had, like, we, one of the struggles we've been having, you know, and I think this is, this is like super personal because it's obvious, like, she's been working 60 hours a week at school. So one of the difficulties for us this semester has been her workload. And that causes difficulties in our relationship, and we've handled them, but it causes stress. And it's been so nice for us to be quarantined. Yeah. We just like watch shows and we've talked and I bought her a Nerf gun. We had a Nerf war, you know, like stupid stuff. But like we've laughed and smiled more together this week than we have in a long time. Yeah, of course. And it's been like such, I've been so thankful for that. And it's been such a joy. And it's like, listen, I know the world will be falling around around us, falling apart around us. But one of the silver linings for me has been that. Yeah, for sure. And I think that that's one of the things you got to hold on to as you take it. Like if you take it a day at a time, like today brought. Yesterday brought joy. Maybe today will bring more joy than if we weren't quarantined. And if that's the case, and it's like, take the good when it comes, because the bad's going to come too. Yeah, I get that. There probably will be hard days ahead. So take advantage of the fact that right now, we're, everything's falling apart. Everything's, nothing's open. Everything's shut down. So just enjoy the time you have. Because it's like vacation. Yeah. I was, my life hasn't been quite that open, because I have been at work eight hours a day, just because mm-hmm. I have the time and there's no... We're going to shut down at some point, so I need to get the hours while I can. Exactly. But, you know, I'll, I'll come home, and I'll, like, shower, and I'll go straight to Sarah's, and I'll stay there as long as I can stay, and then I'll come home and go to sleep. Yeah. Pretty much my schedule anyways. Yeah. But, but she's more open. Yeah. And I was I went over to their house, and I was like, guys, this is the perfect time to play Risk or to play a board <laughs> game. It's like we never have time because we're always busy. Yeah. But, like, right now, like – We've got all the time in the world. Let's yeah. play a board game and like take forever and just like do that because we we will never get a chance if we were all still in school, yeah. doing everything like normal. Yeah, one of the things that me and Haley have been ashamed about for this past week, we haven't spent much time without wanting to, like praying, reading the Bible. We just haven't done as good job of that as we could have. And that's on me. Who um, does? Yeah, but I mean, you can always say that. But honestly, like I've been thinking, like I want to. I want to look, like, because this, like, we're saying the silver lining is having more time. And it's like. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with the time you have? And I think that's one of the things that we got to 
for myself. That's one of the personal things I'm taking away from this. Like I, I want, I want to use this time to say, man, like I really drew closer to God. Haley and I genuinely drew closer to God, and that's what got us through it. So that's my that's my resolution. That's my coronavirus 2020 resolution. There you go. So I think we're. We're, we're at about that time. We need to start wrapping this thing up, which is great. Yeah, of course. Um, you mentioned that you've had a lot more time to uh, just sit around, you know, enjoy time together. Mm-hmm. Do you have any, like, TV show, movie recommendations at all? Anything you found that maybe no one else has, or do you just... Nothing. Do you rewatch movies? Uh, I'm not a big re- movie rewatcher. I am, and it drives Sarah nuts, because I'm like, hey, let's watch Ferris Bueller's Day Off. She's like, I've seen that before. I'm like, you've seen it once. He didn't have a list of movies that we've had since we were dating. Um, some she hasn't seen, a few I haven't seen. Most of the ones I haven't seen is like uh, P.S. I Love You and uh, um, Things like that. I about guess. Time, Roman yeah. Holiday. Ooh, you should actually really watch About Time. Really? I love that movie. <laughs> it's such a softie. But I put all the Star Wars movies on her because she hasn't seen them. We watched Lord of the Rings together. She wept to see it. She loved it. Oh, that's spectacular. Um, but also, I've never seen Casablanca. Ooh, that's a good one. Sarah and I watched that on uh, the night of our first kiss. Oh, was it yesterday or yesterday? Yeah, a couple nights ago. <laughs> Waiting so till marriage. We've been, we've been, <laughs> we've kind of worked through this. I recently put Kicking and Screaming in the Sword and the Stones list. So like stuff like that. We watch Gilmore Girls, which is a chick flick show, but it, but if you like if you like any chick flicks, like came up Gilmore Girls, it's really it's written really with a lot of wit, a lot of sharp, incisive wit. Mm-hmm. And one of the things it does really well is it shows like a true family dealing with trauma and trying to grow close despite that. There's like three generations of this difficulty. Yeah. And that's one of the things I think is really interesting about it is you see like no character is like morally like, oh, they're the good guy. It's like they have serious flaws, and they're like they're trying to grow close to the family, but they really push each other away. And I just think there's a lot of just in my life I've seen that it's it's comforting maybe to watch it and understand and see like oh like that's why that person is so manipulative. Yeah, that's why that person's so rude because this happened. That's why that person always pushes away, pushes away. And I think that so we watch Gilmore Girls. We watch uh, we like the show Last Man Standing. That's a fun show. You know, but nothing nothing worth really recommending. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'm sorry. Nothing like nothing's like, oh you probably have this new hot take. You know, it's not like I gotcha. I've gotten Sarah to watch Seinfeld with me. Which is like boom, a boom, very boom, new boom, boom. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um that's very new because like usually she'd be like, I'm not into this really old TV show and I'm like, yeah. Sarah, really promise I promise the show is hilarious. These pretzels are making me thirsty. Exactly. And like, I've gotten her to sit down and watch it with me, and she thinks it's the funniest thing. Of course it's hilarious. Of course it is. And of course the writing is spectacular, except unlike Gilmore Girls, they never learn from their mistakes. They're just jerks the entire time. Oh no, it's great. I've heard Kirby Enthusiasm is very similar. I've heard Kirby Enthusiasm is very similar because it's written by Larry David. Yeah. But that it's also much less... Appropriate? Yeah. And even, I've never watched it, so. And I've heard that. I've never watched it. But it's on I, HBO, so it stands for reason. Yeah. And um, even sometimes the content on Seinfeld can be a little less PG than maybe. Maybe like. Anyway. 
I don't know. No recommendations thus far necessarily. You do have a recommendation. It's take make the most of your time. Yeah, but that's right. In general. Yeah. See, yeah. I, I, I'm the guy that would sit at home and be like, hey, let's watch Spider-Man 3 again. Yeah. And Shadow's like, if I have to watch that movie again, I'm going to lose my mind. I want to see, see Tobey Maguire doing a stupid dance <laughs> on the street one more time. I had a friend of mine ask me the other day. He was like, I've been wanting to rewatch that movie. Do you want to watch it with me? I was like, dude, I can't get anyone to watch that movie with me. I've burnt everyone out on it. I've never seen it, so. Why? You knew that. You knew that. We talked about this before. You've never seen Spider-Man 3? No. I don't care which fire hurts you, but yeah. Okay, we're gonna watch it sometime. Sometime on the podcast. Do you want to live? You want to do like cinema sins where we sit and like watch the movie and like just comment on it as it happens? No, that's just a terrible. Idea. Yeah, it's a terrible. Idea. But um, no, I actually I have noticed that a lot of the Pierce Brosnan 007 movies are on Netflix. Oh really? Yeah. I recommended those the other night, and Sarah was like, I don't want to watch that. I'm like, oh. Casino Royale. It's hard to watch any of them if you watch Casino Royale. I was, I don't know. You may have watched some of the really old ones. Those are quality content. Oh, those are like, it's like worth mocking. But I mean, it's hard to watch a James Bond movie if you're watching Casino Royale. Like, Daniel Craig is the best. I know. Bond. And Casino Royale is clearly the best written James Bond movie. And it makes me so sad when I think about it, because Quantum of Solace got destroyed by the writer's strike. It would have been, I think it would have been just as good as like the writer's strike happened and someone else said something. You know what's really bumming me out? What? No Time to Die has been pushed back to like yeah. November. It's not. It was supposed to come out in like the first weekend of April. And yeah. it's been pushed back be, because AMC they know that... It's getting zero revenue right now. That's I bet. What, that's what the, my, my buddy is like, they should have restarted with sort of AMC theaters so they can make any money. And it's like, how are movie theaters going to survive this? I know. And... It's because they're like, we don't want to bomb at the box office, which I makes like makes sense. It's a Bond movie. They're wor- they they take a lot of money to make. Yeah. But at the same time, and I'm like, I was like, looking forward to that, yeah. and now I gotta wait even longer. It's whatever. It's a movie. We can yeah. survive without it. There's like 20 more of them. Yes. All right, Ben. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Um. Thanks, guys, for listening. I really appreciate it. And. uh Stay safe out there. Stay sweet.